If you have a copy of God's Word, if you would take that and turn to Exodus chapter 20 this night, Exodus chapter 20, as we look at the eighth commandment of the ten commandments we've been going through for the last several weeks. These are ten commandments, not ten suggestions. They're good as today as they were back in Moses' day. Of course, we know these commandments cannot save you by keeping the law. The purpose of, of the law is to help you realize you can't keep the law. I say it again. The purpose of the law for us as Christians today is to help you realize you can't keep the law. There's no one, no one alive today, nor has there ever been in the history of the world anyone except Jesus Christ who's able to keep the law perfectly. So that's why you read these and say, it's impossible. It's impossible. And that's why you cry out for grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not by yourselves, not of yourselves, not by keeping the law. It's impossible. So we ask God for grace and mercy to do what we cannot do to save us in despite of ourselves. But it says here in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, thou shalt not steal. Father, I pray God you'd help us today as we look at this one short verse, but so much in it, so many, so many applications we can take from this one uh, short verse I pray, God, you'd help us, Lord, that each one of us would, uh, from being here in your house and listening to your, to your word, would grow in our relationship with you. If there's one here tonight without Christ or one who's watching without Christ, oh, Father, please draw that person to yourself before it is too late. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. According to Paul Harvey, how many of you remember Paul Harvey? Paul Harvey. 1989, CBS went on a camera crew to Fort Worth, Texas, to do a special story on the big city crime. As the crew was unloading its equipment, their $30,000 camera was stolen. They were going to, to there to do a story on big crime. <laughs> well, that was the introduction to their story. <laughs> their camera was stolen. If there ever is a command that needed to be obeyed in the United States of America and really the world, uh, it's probably this one about without shalt not steal. It seems like there are thieves all around us. Thieves that wear so many different types of clothes, so many different ways that they are thieves and they're all around us. Police officer, oh excuse me, uh, one person said, thieves seem to steal at will and get away with it. One bank teller put it this way. She had been robbed three times by the same man. A police officer asked whether she had noticed anything specific about the criminal. The teller replied, yes, he seems to be better dressed every time he comes into the bank. <laughs> uh, in 2019, there were 267,000 robberies nationwide. There are 2.5 million burglaries in the United States. Uh, uh, grand larceny cases, there were 1,394 cases per 100,000 people. Is there a problem with theft in America? <laughs> well, I just encourage you to, uh, to join the Alachua Chronicle, and you will wake up as I do every day and see a list of, a host of people that are robbing, stealing, maiming, destroying, right here in the big city, big hog city, Gainesville, Florida. It's happening right here. Men have an amazing knack for taking that which does not belong to them. Thou shalt not kill, the theft of life. Thou shalt not commit adultery, the theft of a wife or a husband. 
Thou shalt not steal, theft of possessions. Thou shalt not bear false witness, theft of reputation. These are all, of course, repeated in the New Testament. Mark chapter 10, verse 19. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. So tonight, we're going to take an extensive look on what it means to not be a crook. Don't be a crook. What are the causes of theft? What are the causes of theft, first of all, inwardly? Well, could it be an unbelief and doubt that God will provide for you? Do we take that which is not ours, and that's probably the best definition of theft or someone who steals, who takes without permission that which is, does not belong to them? Do, do, we, do people steal uh, because they have a compulsion? I've heard of that. People take a, have a compulsion. They like the excitement of being able to get away with it. Some of it maybe take, uh, they steal because they doubt that God will provide for them. Uh, I've known a people. I've known people who've been lifelong thieves. They've been thief. They've been thief since they're young, and they're a thief when they're old. They have a they have a, 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 a addiction for for taking things that are not theirs. It can be addiction. The thief believes that God will not provide his needs. He decides to spread his own table at the expense of others. His attitude is, "I'll do it my way," which shows, of course, a lack of patience and a lack of temperance, which is self-control. Maybe it's not just unbelief and doubt. Maybe it's covetousness and greed. In the Greek, covetousness signifies an, an mod, a, a moderate desire of getting, a desire of wanting more. That's the root of thievery. It's being dissatisfied with one's possessions. We see, of course, with Eve. She saw that, that fruit, whatever it may be, she desired it, she looked upon it, she wanted it, and she took it. Even though she was told, hopefully, hopefully Adam instructed her that she was not supposed to take of the fruit of the tree of, of good and evil, but she did anyways. Of course, Achan, another story we find in the book of Joshua, who took the forbidden treasure of Jericho, even though J Joshua and the elders, I'm sure, told him, do not take any of these things, don't take anything from the city of Jericho. He knew it was wrong. But he did it anyway. And, of course, it, thievery doesn't just affect his life. Achan was not the only one who died. If you read that story, he died. His wife died. His children died. Even his animals died. Because the lie of the devil, as I've said it before, is you can be a thief, an adulterer, a liar, and it doesn't bother no, anybody else but me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. If you are a thief, it affects you, it affects your mom, it affects your dad, because you've just dishonored your mother and father. To be a liar, you've dishonored your father and mother. To be a, to commit adultery, you've dishonored your father and mother. So if you have the lifestyle, the propensity to be a thief, you're not just hurting yourself, you're hurting everybody around you. You hurt your church. You hurt your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for that sin. You hurt your friends, you hurt your family, you hurt your reputation, you help, you hurt your opportunity. Who can trust a thief? If you knew somebody was a thief, how long would you let them watch your house while you're in Daytona Beach? They want a five-finger discount, and they're not even going to Kmart because they're closed. They'll take things. Because there may be unbelief or doubt that God will provide for them, but covetousness and greed. Externally, we see the solicitation of Satan. 
Judas was a thief. How did he become one? Because Satan filled his heart. John chapter 13, verse 27, after the, the sob, Satan entered him. Then Jesus then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest, do quickly. The master thief is Satan. He loves to ruin and rob our lives of what God wants for us, his best for us, his blessings. What, is this, what does Satan rob men and women of? Well, several things. He robs us of peace of mind. Peace of mind. He makes us worry and fret. He tempts us with worry and fret. Do you sit, day, sit down all day long and worry about fret, about what the day is going to bring? The Bible says, be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made unknown unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all, all, under, passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. I believe that's how it goes. Pretty close. Don't be, don't be worried. How can, you, you can't add to your stature by being worried. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, don't fret about it. Instead of fretting about it and worrying about it, how about pray about it? But boy, when the devil tempts us to worry and fret, it, it, it takes our mind and we lose that perfect peace which God wants us to have. Purity of heart when we give in the temptation. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, But Peter said, Ananias, why has, thou, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? Remember, they were, they were doing all things in common. They were selling their property and giving to it. And Ananias and Sapphira, they lied about it. And both of them died because they lied to the Holy Spirit. And Satan tempts us to lose a peace of mind, purity of heart, perception of truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Whatever gospel will be hid is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the mind of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Oh, how many people today in neighborhoods all around us have believed a lie of the, of the devil? who's blinded their minds, their eyes from the truth of the gospel, perverting lies like I talked about this morning, that if your good works outweigh your bad works, that you'll somehow, some way get to heaven. Oh, you go on visitation, you'll, you'll, you'll hear the tale that is often said from the lips of men and women, I hope I'll get to heaven. But they have no, they have no, they have no object of their hope. They just think that somehow, some way, They'll get there. And they believe the lie that everybody's going to go to heaven if they just believe in God, which is not the truth. So the solicitation of Satan is the loss of peace of mind, purity of heart, perception of truth, the power of God. Sin gets us out of fellowship with God. When we sin, when we're tempted to sin and we choose that path, though we don't have to choose that path because with every Every sin, there is a way of escape, the Bible tells us. There's a way of escape. You don't have to sin. You choose to sin as a Christian. You choose it. But the moment you sin, you lose your fellowship. I believe that's what David is talking about in Psalm chapter 51. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Oh, how painful it is when you, 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 you take something that doesn't belong to you, or you say, I'm just going to borrow it for a long time and maybe if I feel bad about it give it back 
I'll just borrow this. I'll just borrow it with the good intentions of giving it back. But somehow or another, it never gets back to mom or dad or church or friend or loved one. It never makes its way back. Somehow it finds its well to Goodwill <laughs> or yard sale or eBay. What? You would take something from another person or from God's house and then put it on eBay or Poshmark? No! Not born again, blood-bought Christians. Yeah, yeah. It happens every day, every day. The power of God is then gone until you confess your sin and admit yourself, until you say to yourself, I am a dirty, rotten thief. You'll never get over thievery. You just got to admit it. Oh, I just take something every now and then because they really don't need it. It has nothing to do with they need it or not. It has nothing to do with it's warranted or not. It doesn't have to do with, okay, they, have, they make this amount of money and you make this amount of money. And they really don't need all that money. If it's not yours, don't take it. It's wrong. It's sin. God can't bless it. God can't bless your life. God can't bless your life. He can't bless you if you're stealing. It takes away from people we love. Satan will try to lead them astray. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. This is one of the saddest words in the scriptures. For Demas, Demas was the one who followed who went with Paul. He was like a Silas. He was like a Timothy. For a little time, he went with Paul on his, on his missionary journeys we, we talked about this morning. For Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Is departed in Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Demas hath forsaken me. He gave out the permanent for the immediate. And dear friend, never sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Never sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Demas, you had reward. You had treasure in heaven that's going to last billions times, times billions, times billions in heaven. But you gave up the eternal for paste pearls, for fool's Gold for that which cannot last. And now for nearly 2,000 years, every time someone says, Demas, you think of, what could have been? He could have been a Silas. And there singing the old rock of ages cleft for me with Paul the apostle. When the earthquake came, the jailer was about to kill himself. And they went out there and, and, and got the opportunity to share the gospel with the jailer there in the in the Philippian jail, uh, uh, prison and got to share the gospel with that man in his house. He could, have been, he could have been with those men. He could have been with Paul the apostle. Maybe even possibly God would have used him to write one of the scriptures, but he gave up the permanent for the immediate. What do you give up for the permanent? What are you giving up for the permanent? Dear friend, you only have one life. That life is made up of minutes. That life is made up of hours. That may, that hour, that this life that you have is made up of time. What are you giving your time to? Is what you're giving to time to going to matter a billion years from now? If it's not, why are you doing it? If what you're pursuing is not going to matter a million years from now, 
Why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? Because you only get one time. See, life is not like a video game. You press a button, get another guy, and keep going. Oh, I wish it was that way sometimes. But it's not. You got one shot at this thing. And time is a thief. It'll be gone. It was just yesterday I was holding that young girl in my arms at a hospital in Fort Myers. And now she's going to be a junior in college. It was just yesterday. It was just yesterday I saw that young man have a football in his hand. Now he's going to be a freshman in college. It was just yesterday. And every parent here knows exactly what I'm talking about. It was just yesterday. Time is a thief. It's here for a moment. And it's gone. It's gone. That's why the Bible tells us to be sober. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. All oh, the causes of, thief, of being a thief. The characteristics of being a thief. A man plays the thief when he does several things. First of all, T, he takes what he wants. A man is a thief when he takes what he wants. As I mentioned, time is a thief. Unexpected. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. That time when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come, it's going to be unexpected. A thief doesn't knock on the door and says, Okay, I just want you guys to know at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm coming. No, a thief doesn't do that. A thief comes at a time when nobody else expects it, when usually when nobody else is home. He scoped out your place. He knows your routine. He knows you go to Kohl's or he knows you go to Publix this time, every time, every week. And so he knows you're going to be gone. And so that's when he breaks in. He takes what he wants. The time of his theft is unexpected. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 4. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. He tampers with our freedom. People feel insecure after they've been robbed. You ever been, anyone ever taken from, something from you? Ever, anybody ever stolen something from you? When I was 12 years old, I was 12 years old. I had a habit on Friday and Saturday, and sometimes on Sunday when I could, go to this place called Putt-Putt. It was called Putt-Putt Golfing Games. I didn't putt-putt one putt. I just went for the video games. And my friends from Wade Hampton High School, which we call What's Happening High School, would come down, we'd play video games, and then sometimes we'd go over to the BG, which is the movie theater, and then sometimes from there we'd go over to McDonald's. We had this track, putt-putt, movie theater, to McDonald's. And one day, a friend of mine from high school, his name was Squirrel. The Squirrel was a character. I can't even talk about what Squirrel was really like in mixed company. But he was a character. And one day, Squirrel said, hey, let's go to McDonald's. I said, okay. And unfortunately, I was young and dumb, and I had cash in my pocket. And as I got almost to McDonald's, all of a sudden, out of the blue, four men, young men, jumped me, beat me up, and took my money. I remember like that like it was yesterday. And as long as I'm alive, I'll remember that moment that I was beaten up and robbed. You don't forget that stuff. You don't ever forget it. By the grace of God, it will be forgotten in heaven. But when you're robbed, when you're taken, when someone takes something from you, it hurts. 
It's not just the money. It's the fact that you have something, a possession that's yours, and somebody else does damage to you and takes your stuff. He tampers with our freedom, causes people to be insecure after they're robbed. He troubles life with guilt. A new convert went to his pastor and said, before I was saved, I stole a rope from my neighbor's barn. After reading the story of Zacchaeus, I decided to return it. Yet my neighbor still isn't reconciled to me. The preacher noticed the downcast eyes, questioned him a bit further. Are you sure that's all you took from him, or is it something else? Embarrassed, the man replied, I guess that's the problem. You see, I didn't bring back the, the, the attached to the rope. That was, was attached to the rope. The cow that was attached to the rope. He just brought back the rope. Guilt will plague you in your conscience until it's been cleared. That's why Paul wrote in Acts chapter 24 and verse 16, And here I do exercise myself to always a conscience void of offense towards God and towards man. The letter H, the letter H, and thief, he hurts others. He hides what he's doing. He hinders maturity. The letter I, important and valuable things are sought by him. He impersonates himself as a friend. There's nothing worse than a person who impersonates himself as a friend, someone close from you, and then takes that which is most valuable to, from, you, to, you, from, you, to you, from you. He's inconsiderate of others. He invokes God's judgment. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse thieves, uh, verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor reviers, nor sorcerers shall inherit the kingdom of God. Think about it. A thief is along a covetous man, a drunkard, a reviler, an extortioner. None of these people, people who practice this type of lifestyle, shall go to heaven. That's what Paul is writing. The letter E, he is evaluated by God. He eliminates the confidence and trust of people. His expectations are unrealistic and dangerous. His philosophy is, what, what you have belongs to me. The letter F, he fails to realize the value of what he has. He fails to place his trust in God. Instead, he places his trust in himself that he can take from others without them noticing it. He has fun. He has fun at first, but when he, steal, and he, when he steals, it's very exciting. And the Bible even says it in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 17. Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but his future is bleak. He will get caught. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. A thief. May get away with it. May they get away from mom and dad when they were when they're young. May they get away from friends, other family members, cousins, aunts, and uncles. But sure as I'm standing here before you tonight, you're not going to get away with it when it comes to God. God is not going to allow you to continue that path without there being consequences. The causes of theft, the characteristics of theft, and the kinds of theft. You know there's a stealing from God. There's a stealing from God. God can be robbed of his glory. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. For you are brought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29, there's no, that no flesh should glory in his presence. 1 Corinthians 1, 31, according to his written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Dear friend, when you, when you and I do anything for the Lord, we ought, to be, we ought to say, the first thing we ought to say is to God be the glory. When I was traveling with the Academy of Arts, that group that was here a few weeks ago and put on the production of John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, when they were teaching us in that two-week time, because they have about two, 10 days to two weeks to learn everything that you saw, to put everything up, the lights, the sound, everything. They had about 10 days or two weeks to do all that. One of the things they taught us, they said, you're going to go into a church and somebody's going to come up to you and say, that was the best performance of my life. I've never, ever seen anything like that before. You were great. And you know you're not. And whatever you are, it's only because God allowed you to be. He said, they said, let that, that praise that you get go in one ear and go right with another. Be thankful, be grateful, be kind, be courteous. But see, you're going to hear that every night for about three months. And after a while, you start to think, you, you, you actually start believing some of that stuff. Well, they come up to you every night. Oh, you did a good job. Oh, you did a good job. Oh, you did a good job. But no. Everything we have, everything we do, everything we possess, past, present, and future, it's because of God, isn't it? What do, what, do, what do we have that we've not been given? You say, preacher, I work for it. Who gave you your hands? You say, preacher, I, I spoke it. Who gave you your mouth? Uh, you say, preacher, I, I thought about it. Who gave you your brain? Who gave you the ability to do everything that you do? It's God. So wherever, whatever walk of life, when you're congratulated or, or, or someone gives you a award or something happens and they said, hey, you did a good job, the first thing ought to be out of our mouths as Christians is to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because without him, none of this is possible. It's all his. God can be robbed of his glory. Secondly, God can be robbed of his tithes and offerings. Malachi chapter 3, 8 through 10. Will a man rob God? Malachi writes, Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Where have you robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes. Unto the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me thou therefore therewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Not a lot of people say, well, preacher, that's Old Testament. Well, a tithe is 10%. Tithe is 10%. Actually, they gave much more than that. Some people believe they gave up to 30%, the Jews did oftentimes in their tithe to God. And people will come to me saying, a preacher, should I tithe on the net or the gross? And I say, what type of blessing do you want? What type of blessing do you want? Dear friend, if you are working at any capacity and you are not giving 10%, at least a tithe back to God, you are robbing God. And you're robbing yourself of a blessing. You're robbing yourself of doing and obeying the word of God. And as I read this morning, he that knoweth to do good. And everybody in this room, it's your age. You know that you should tithe on what you make. 
Give it to God. Can you imagine standing before God, having known you spent all your life robbing from God, and he gives you the breath that you have right now to breathe, the ability to think? See, friend, I'm just one stroke from never doing this again the rest of my life. One stroke. And I'm never behind this pulpit the rest of my life. Everything we do, everything we say, all the things we have, is God's anyways. He owns 100%. Everything you have, it's his. So why not just give him 10%? Why not be a hilarious, a joyful giver, be a cheerful giver? The New Testament says, why not just have a laughing fit when you, I mean, so much that the guy, the, offer, the, 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 the person who's taking up the offering, look at you like something's going on. You have this, you have this little uh, laughing spell because you're just so glad you're able to give God something. Let me tell you something, friend. You're never able to outgive God. Your whole life, you will never, ever, ever be able to give God what he's done for you. I just finished watching, I was talking to Brother John back, the, uh, the Hall of Fame inductees and all these different men got up. And every one of them, some of them even raised in a single family situation. And of course, it was a mom who worked two or three jobs to put them through Give them, feed them, take care of them, high school, college, and then the NFL, eventually NFL. You know what they did? They all realized it wasn't them who did it. It was all these people who helped them. And, of course, many of them gave glory to God because they knew without God helping them. Oh, dear friend, don't be a God robber. Don't be a God robber. Drink less coffee. Cut off your Netflix and Hulu and Disney and Paramount and 10 others. Eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But don't be a rob God robber. Don't be a rob God robber. There's a stealing from God. There's a stealing from others. Some steal from their neighbors or friends or strangers, robbing them on the street. Take it from their homes. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 13. Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Stealing, stealing uh, things is, is forbidden. <laughs> stealing people is forbidden. What's going on at the border is horrendous. People are being taken, trafficked, I think it was, I forget the statistic, and I want to be accurate about it, so I can't say it, but it was an amazing, horrendous number of people that are being trafficked in the world today. I want to say it's close to 7 million people. And 2.5, if I remember that, nine, that, that number stands out, 2.5 of those are kids who are being sex trafficked. That's happening right now, folks. That's happening right now. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 21, verse 16, He that stealeth a man and selleth him, or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. How horrible it is for another person to take another person, but especially to use a child or a young person in a way that is perverted, sick, and horrible. Oh, it is better 
that that person have a millstone put on that person's neck and cast into the deepest sea, Jesus said, than to offend one of these little ones. Some people are robbed by dishonest attorneys who take advantage of their clients. I hear about that a lot. Folks are robbed by dishonest businessmen who overcharge or take advantage of people. Hosea chapter 12, verse 7, he's a merchant in the balance of deceit in his hand. He, he loveth to oppress. 1 Thessalonians 4, 6, that no man go beyond to fraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is avenger of such as we also are forewarned you and testified to withhold payment or debts of rent, to withhold wages. Don't do it. If you make a contract with somebody else to work for you, pay them what it's owed. Don't withhold it. Pay it what's owed. Millions of people fall victim to clever schemes, and it is getting worse and worse. Let me just give you a warning. If you doubt it, don't click on it. It is not a day that goes by in my inbox. I don't see something that says, your gun is going to be taken away from you. Click this, click this right now. Or some other crazy something in my inbox. There was constantly phone calls into the office at the church I cannot name from widows who would call us and say, Preacher, Brother Marty, there's something on my computer. It's flashing. It says I have to press it right now. We'd scream, Don't! Don't press that mouse button, whatever you do. Because five hours later, I'm still trying to untangle what that woman did with just one press of the button. Don't do it. There's an old saying, if you doubt it, don't do it. Don't do it. The bait. What's the bait? Your secret desires. Swindlers take your secret dreams, assure you that you can have them fulfilled. Common statements are made up. How would you like to double your money in just three weeks? Dear friends, if it seems too good to be true, it is. How many people spend hours and hours in them vacation places? They say, oh, it's only going to be 90 minutes of presentation. Four hours later, you stumble out of there. Like a drunk person after they lied to you and try to tell you how bad you were because you won't purchase that program that will help you and your kids forever and ever and ever and ever. Then you have to spend, go to a lawyer and get out of that timeshare. God bless your pee-picking heart. And they say, oh, you just need this, you need this timeshare place by the beach. It would do you so much good. But they don't tell you that you not only if you're going to pay for it, but when you die, your kids are going to pay for it too. They don't tell you the fine details. They just say, sign the bottom line. And they will promise you everything to get you to sign. That's the bait. Your secret desires, the hook, true statements. The hook involves true statements that penetrate the hidden motives of our fallen human nature. The de desire. We have a desire to get something for nothing. I hear people talk about, oh, you know how much I get. You know what? I went to that Goodwill. I got that from almost nothing. But friend, friend, there's a hook on that a lot of times because we're impatient. We want what we want, and we want it now. Car salesmen love you. I want that brand new car, and I want it now. Well, just go on down to Main Street and find you one. Pull that baby right off the, all off the lot and see what you get. There's an old saying, fools rush in. 
Car salesmen can smell them all the way from 39th. Oh, they just want to come in and buy a car right now. Well, go ahead and buy a car right now. <laughs> they want you to get the deal. Impatient, unchangeable, destroys us. The plant, documentation. Swindlers often work in terms. Have you ever written the five print when you buy a house or buy a car? You can't see that small print. You've got to get a magnifying glass to look down in there. It's down there somewhere. It's lawyer speak. You can't figure it all out. But it's documentation. Oh, and a dear friend, it's, it's not going to be for your good. It's going to be for their good if things don't go well. And the bite, the pressure to act. You don't want to pray about your decision. You don't want to wait and ask godly counsel about your decision. You don't want to think about it, pray about it, and ask godly wisdom about it and, and seek the, the, the peace of the Spirit. We just want to do it now, 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 now. And because we want to do it now, 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 we wind up regretting it, hating it, and wishing we'd never been there. If only we'd have prayed about it. If only we'd have thought about it. If only we sought wise counsel about it. Hmm. Pressure's put on you by telling you time's running out. Time's running out. If you don't act now, you'll lose your property. You'll lose your opportunity. Somebody else is waiting right behind you to gladly pay for what you won't do. A man is a thief if he's a false prophet. He steals the truth in his soul and the souls of men. Jeremiah 23, 30. Therefore, behold, I'm against the prophet, saith the Lord, that steal my words, every one from his neighbor. You know, a lot of people think to themselves, well, you know what? I don't like our governments. So I just won't pay our taxes. Oh, there's people in jail like that right now. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 17, 24, when they come to Capernaum, that they received tribute money, came to Peter and said, Doth the, your master pay tribute? He saith, yes. When he hath come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom that do the things of the king's earth take custom or tribute of their own children or of strangers? Matthew chapter 22, 17. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give the tribute to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And he brought in him a penny. He said to them, Whose is this image or the superscription? And he said to them, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Render therefore unto Caesar things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God's. You think that the government under Caesar was better than our government today? <laughs> I can guarantee you their government was a lot worse than our government. It's possible to steal from yourself. The thief robs himself of peace. He lives a life of fear, being caught. His guilt breeds worry and fear. Psalm 53, verse 5, There were in great fear, where no fear was, for God has scattered the bones of them that encampeth against him. Thou hast put him to shame because God has despised them. When we disobey God, we rob ourselves of reward and blessing. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 1, 18, excuse me. Let no man beguile you of the reward in voluntary humility and worship of angels. In 2 John chapter 1 verse 8, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, that we receive a full reward. Oh, dear friend, may I implore you tonight, don't be a thief. Don't be a thief. Don't take things that are not yours. And don't rob yourself of the rewards that God has for you by living a disobedient life. Obey quickly. 
When the Spirit of God prompts you to obey in a certain area of life, in whatever it may be, whether it be witnessing or tithing or some other area, getting right with that other person. I see, I see people, I see people have their lives destroyed because they spend so much time squabbling over small stuff. I see people, especially after the death of a loved one, squabble over money. I had a guy in, that I went to church with, his mom passed away. And in the trust, in the trust that was given, that she wrote, she wrote a specific amount of money, one to the son, two to the other sisters. The two sisters got together and tried with lawyers to break the trust to take his money. You know what happened? Basically, all the money went to lawyers. They get it in the end. And you know what it was? If they'd have been kind to one another, loving to one another, forgiving one another, quit squabbling to one another, quit being greedy, trying to take some from other people, the very will of their mother, they would have all had a percentage of what was given to them by their own mom. And I see that in churches today. I see it. And what is it? What is it? Thieves. Because what is a thief? He is greedy. He wants more. He has plenty. They have a house. They have a roof. They have food in the fridge. They have a bed. They have shoes. They have clothes. They have stuff. But they want more. What do they do? They destroy families. They destroy churches. But most of all, they destroy themselves. Don't be a thief. Don't be a thief. Father God, thank you for your mercy and your grace. God, deliver us from the heart of greed and pursuit of more. More is not always better. More things, more stuff, more lands, more houses, more cars is not always better. Oh God, thank you for the, for the food and the shelter. Thank you, God, for those things that you give us, Lord. Help us with the simple things of life to be content. Be content with what we have. Help us not to eye our neighbor wanting what they have. Help us not to always think about what we could have if we only worked more hours. Oh, God, deliver us from greed. Deliver us from being a thief. I pray if there's anybody in this room tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ, that, dear friend, you recognize your need. Make, recognize that you're a sinner, unable to save yourself, and by the grace of God, you cry out to Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I know that I'm a sinner. And by the grace of God, I repent of my sin and trust in Jesus Christ tonight. The greatest prayer you could ever pray is a prayer of repentance. But maybe here, if you're a Christian, you're struggling with this sin. Or maybe it's some other sin. Maybe it's some sin that we've mentioned. Maybe it's, it's some other sin. But the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to you tonight about a struggle that you're having in your life with sin. Maybe a, a struggle of not having a clear conscience. 
Maybe you have taken something from somebody. Maybe you take it, you've taken it a long time ago and you never repaid it. Beg you tonight, do it today. I beg you tonight to get a hold of that person you took something from and ask them to forgive you and make any type of arrangement possible to pay it back, no matter what it takes and how long you have to do it. I beg you to do it tonight. Don't live another day without a clear conscience. Don't live another day without a clear conscience. Let's stand to our feet tonight. If God has spoken to your heart about this matter or some other matter, I beg you to do business with God. As, as the piano plays, whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do, do it. It'd be better to be in jail with a clear conscience than be out of jail living in guilt 